0: Welcome to the speaking podcast.
1: Happy New Year humans. Thanks for joining me on the very first episode of 2017, my guest today. Now, I've been a fan of this guy for over a decade and when I realized I'd be in Melbourne, Australia and that he had actually moved to Melbourne as well, I I had to reach out. And he was gracious enough to say yes, so we had a chance to sit down and meet up. So, who is this guy? Clu Takalo. So he's been in the indie music uh, game for more than a decade. And he's been self-producing, recording, composing, performing, touring. You name it. He's sort of the consummate indie artist in many ways. Uh, I had the chance to talk to him uh, about his journey into the indie music scene, some of the challenges that he encountered, uh, being signed with an indie label, and and how art changes and evolves as the artist changes and hopefully grows as well. Uh, We sat down in his studio where he works on things like uh, TV, movies, and uh, uh, video game scores. So that's kind of exciting. But of course, also... He keeps working on his own music as well. Uh, also, I'm doing something a little bit different, a little bit special during this particular episode. I'm using uh, Clue to music uh, for this episode. So stick around as well to the very end to hear an uninterrupted track of one of my favorite songs of his. All right? So, guys, do me a favor, open up those earholes. Here we go. My conversation with the mighty, mighty Clue to But that's it. That's no worries. Yeah so, easy. yeah. so you say you were you're not from here originally. If I recall correctly, looking at your, if I remember your profile, it's in Adelaide. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah.
2: So it's about, I don't know, it's about 10 hours' drive from here.
1: Okay. Yeah. 10 hours' so drive.
2: So I, um, I, I was born in uh, Mount Gambia, which is kind of regional uh, South Australia, but I don't really remember much okay. about that. And then I've lived in Adelaide for. Most of my life, I moved here about um, seven years ago. Uh, essentially, I moved here because Cornell, who you met before, mm. who works here at the studio or owns the studio, right. um, I just felt like it was time for a change. I contacted him and he said, uh, "He said, you know, if you want, I can give you a job if you want to come over and do some work for me. I moved over here and started working here at the studio. So I've been here for that long. And then we just kind of pick up work that comes in so yeah, we do commercial work, and then we do um, uh, we do. We're starting to hopefully move. We're moving more into film, and TV score. Um, I'm a big gamer, so I love to get oh, into gaming, awesome. gaming soundtracks, yeah. stuff like that. So we're trying to. Uh, diversify a bit with what we do but there's a bunch of composers here who kind of are here there's always people here every day and then we have kind of like satellite composers and producers as well that come in and out
1: so what did you do before what did you do before then when you were in in Adelaide uh not much I mean I kind
2: of I well I guess I I I was a full-time student for a long time so I I started out um as a Kind of thinking that possibly I might be an academic, but some of the stuff is I just kind of fell into doing that stuff. So for a long time, I, um, I did a humanities social sciences uh, degree in at uni of Adelaide and then uh, did, a, did an honors uh, course and then went and did my PhD for a while. And I was a little bit off from finishing that which probably would probably would have been an agonizing year or two finishing it off
1: Um, was a PhD for
2: it was on it was English cultural studies and then it was on at the time it's kind of a mishmash of different ideas but it was kind of on thing like I was trying to throw in just a lot of things that I was interested in but it was kind of a development on my um, honors degree which was on underground comics and I tried to bring in stuff. Um, like uh, post-punk and outsider art and all this kind of stuff. No kidding, I should
1: well. have I should have bought you a copy then. I because I I wrote a, a a friend of mine is a graphic novel. He's a he's a he's a cartoonist. He's yeah. a graphic novelist, and we all I, I also write. Oh wow! And so we actually collaborate. I'll I'll, I'll send, I you, digital, to, I I'll send it. you a digital copy. Or yeah, something. I'd absolutely love yeah, to read actually it. Yeah, it might get picked up by uh, by UK underground by UK underground uh, publisher. They want to color it oh wow yeah so, we just, so really, that would be it's exciting yeah super yeah, yeah. super super <laughs> yeah, yeah. exciting I mean it doesn't pay much because you know it's, yeah, it's one of absolutely, those things yeah. but it's just like the fun That's of it the art project. of it yeah totally totally yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah okay I'll, I'll note I'd that down I'd love to read it Please I'll note three. that down yeah absolutely yeah yeah Um yeah yeah um, that's cultural, can we can we get into that a little bit? Just because yeah, I, sure. Because you, I don't know if you know, but on on the podcast, one of the things I like to talk about is is cultural differences and stuff. Yeah. So it just so happens that yeah, you know, I I I sought you out because I'm just a fan of your work. Oh, thank you. Um, but but it turns out you're also you also study cultural stuff. So yeah. I, can we get into that a little bit? I'm yeah, sure. I mean, about. I
2: guess I guess um, I guess I kind of got into it through, uh, I guess it's kind of a fascination with pop culture and um, I I guess. Uh, I guess kind of it was sort of not an accident but I guess there were certain ideas that were um which were kind of hanging around in my head about things that I was interested in and with I I, I kind of I, I always really liked like I've always been a big fan of like I'm a big Randy Newman fan and I'm I'm kind <coughs> of like I, I grew up kind of really loving um music which was almost self-consciously pop and ideas of experimentation within limitations and i I like the idea i always like the idea of sort of trying to write a classic song or trying to write or or do something like write something within genre or whatever it might be and kind of adhere to those rules while i always under like kind of undermining those rules so i guess the cultural studies element of what i was studying was very much about um idea ideas of uh pop culture and and these what i thought at the time were these kind of constructed ideas of authenticity or selling out and how it works if you, how that interferes with, I mean, I I find outsider art really quite interesting because it, there was always, I mean, it's been a long time now, but there was always sort of, um, this, implication of authenticity of rawness that was coming out of these people and that if it was somehow contaminated by you know pop culture it wouldn't be as interesting and and i always had a kind of a weird problem with those ideas of authenticity and you know even that was kind of what i talked a little bit about with underground comics it was kind of that they were using you know they saw themselves as kind of uh um I guess against something, but also kind of using something which was almost a pop cultural artifact in a sort of against itself, you know, and I find that really, I found that really interesting. And I thought that kind of uh, sometimes there were these fairly clear cut ideas put forward about what was pop trash and what was art. And I thought that at the time, I mean, there were very obvious points I think Mm. I was probably trying to make that other people had made. Better than me, time and time again. But I found that really interesting. Of right. that, that it is quite problematic, and it is not as straightforward as you know. That's trash, and that's art. It was, you know, right. and it's talk about points where they intersected, and I do think they intersect really interestingly in comics and genre genre uh, books, uh, you know, genre film and um, uh, uh, and games as well. You know, these idea of AAA sure. games. So,
1: so, is it kind of like, like, so example, like, like. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like yeah originally this very raw gritty underground comic which became sort of mainstream and like yeah so sort of that whole journey at which point do we say they sold out and does is the art truly compromised and yeah, all that, and that and what those is it, uh, yeah right? what does that stuff mean right.
2: yeah it's kind of like you know where do you where do you sort of draw that line who draws that line right
1: it's it's a very arbitrary line. Yeah, anyway. who draws it? Because it's just like oh, yeah. they've sold out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes it feels obvious where they've sold out. Yeah. like you know, like Ice Cube making a Disney movie with but kids. You can say okay, yeah, he's sold out. That's not NWA anymore. Yeah, sure, you can you can make that point and have a discussion about that. Yeah, but, but there yeah. are nuances along the way, and sometimes it, it, I always find it funny because you also want them. We're so weird as people. We want artists to succeed. Yeah, We want independent artists to but thrive. But on our terms. On right. our terms yeah. But But as soon as they somehow get some backing, and if it's from a yeah. major label, even if what they're putting out is genuinely their own, some people will view that as, oh, you've sold out, son.
2: Yeah. Absolutely they will. And it's, and it's very interesting now, especially... In, I mean, it's been, a, it, it was when I when I did my last record, which I ended up sort of just putting out myself through the internet. There was a period, like, it had been quite a while since I'd. Was it the, har- had the Harmless Hex? Or the before uh, no, the... the Motives Records was oh, okay. before And it was like, uh, it was like, it had been a while, and coming to it, it was, it was. It was Uh, quite dramatic how much things had changed from this model of getting signed Mm. and putting things out. And I'm sure it's still that way for a lot of artists, but I, it, it felt very different. And it's, it's very interesting now to kind of look at that and go, well, the opportunities for artists to survive are so slim. It's like, so I think for a lot of people, those ideas of what is and isn't acceptable on on what you can do with your own work are quite blurred and sort of shifting a lot. Because this idea of, you know, well, are you... Uh, are you going to say that this band or this artist that you like or this uh, writer that you like, are you saying that you don't want them to survive? You know, are you saying that you don't want them to be able to feed themselves and whatever else? You know, so sometimes... By someone doing something which might be, you know, uh, something that they might not necessarily endorse could mean that they could make, be making fantastic art for three years and right. you're going to enjoy, you know. So I think that that stuff's interesting. I'm not saying I, I don't sit necessarily either way on it right. is i just find that idea really interesting
1: i told i totally understand that sentiment of <clears throat> finding an idea interesting yeah. and just wanting to have lots of questions about yeah it yeah and absolutely. not being sure because there is no right or there wrong is no and there that. is no solution yeah. and an, yeah. it may be a case-by-case case basis and who is anyone to really really say yeah. any of these things
2: i think it's the artists themselves who, who has right. to basically mm-hmm. make those decisions for themselves right. and i think that because it is a very uh, there is an element of subjectivity of what is and isn't acceptable in that sense that i think that you know you can't there isn't this objective idea of when it is and isn't as you say you know selling out or whatever it might be and you've got to make those decisions for yourself and stay true to yourself as as silly as that sounds that you'll know when you've done something that you're not happy with in yourself and what your own values
1: and that's the authenticity we're really looking for right mm. is the artist feeling like you know what i'm i I, I did this the best that I, to, to my ability, as much as I could on my terms. Yeah, absolutely. And it is what, and that's, it, whether you like it or not, that's up to you guys. But yeah. I did my part. So you mentioned something interesting, because you, if I, if I recall, I, I first heard you, I think, in, I want to say, 05 or 06, mm-hmm. Um And it would have been. I think it's the one way. It's every way. Yeah,
2: that was uh, 2005. It was right. Yeah,
1: I think I heard it. It was on. I think someone gave me um, a KEXP. You know KEXP radio. Did Did you know they had your stuff out there? Did it communicate with you or anything? Uh,
2: I know that um, 2005 was probably the the time when it the things were most happening in the states for Mm. us, and that was a really exciting time. Which Mm. I don't feel like we necessarily consolidated right. as much as i would have liked but that definitely felt like mm. a, a pretty exciting time 2005 2006 right and there was i knew that there was some college radio stuff going right. on and all yeah that was great i mean
1: it yeah kexp so. is um if i'm not mistaken it's a seattle-based radio station yeah correct? i think so yeah i think so i think so you guys can check that out i'm, I'm pretty sure i'm pretty <laughs> sure that yeah. that's that is the case um so yeah and it was um and uh, yeah, when Tommy Fixes Fights, was the that song hooked me in. Like oh, wow. That was the one that really just, and I was like, I, I, you know. And then, of course, later on, I was like, oh, yeah, SoundCloud. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. These guys, I remember these guys. Yeah, and then yeah. I started looking, and, and then that's when I discovered more of your stuff. And yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome. And obviously, it's changed throughout the years. But I yeah. guess let's just talk about the... The beginning then, o uh, five o six was that how, when you when you started or when? And no. you say you guy. So we. You said we. So is it was it is Clueda? By the way, how do I pronounce it? I have changed
2: the way I've said it. I don't really know. Most people say Clueda Kaylo, and I've said that for a long time. Right. And I think pro- proper. If I was going to be kind of proper about it. Because of where the name's from, I think it's probably clear to Carlo, but I don't know.
1: Is it is it like an is it an Aboriginal term or something? No, it is or... a it is
2: a term. It's kind of based on um, there was a, there was a comic by a cartoonist called Seth, uh, who's a Canadian cartoonist, mm-hmm. and he had this uh, one book called "It's a Good Life if You Don't Weaken." And there's this idea in it that he is searching for this uh, cartoonist called. Carlo I guess I think that's how you'd probably say it and uh and he never finds him but he kind of it doesn't really matter that he never finds him it's about that kind of and as silly it's quite naive now to to think of it but I thought that was a beautiful idea of Mm. um how you could see your own creative work where it's like you never feel satisfied with it but you just keep trying to find that one thing and that's that's what gives that meaning
1: hence the clue to
2: yeah like another 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 way of kind of going forward yeah okay
0: Yep.
1: And, and so you said we. So it, it was Cluta Kalo, just you. It or, was yeah. And or... then
2: and then um, and then uh, when we would play live. So we got signed. I got signed to
1: Mush in two thousand and you were on Mush. Yeah, that's also where I heard because I was like bus driver. Yeah, absolutely. like a lot because I was big into underground hip hop. Yeah, so def- so that's also where I heard a lot of stuff. Then so yeah, bus driver. Who was it? Uh, pigeon. No, I got pigeon I, John.
2: No, I got signed through. Um, dose one uh, dose one yeah. yes dose
1: one those guys oh this is like yeah early to early mid 2000s yeah i reckon it was
2: 2001 i went to yeah. there was a there was a music uh there was a underground mm. music kind of festival thing mm. that they had i, I think it's still on but i don't i think it's called something different now possibly or maybe it's still the same thing this thing called sound summit okay which was i think it was called it was like electro fringe it was okay. called i think and I went up there and uh, I was kind of there with um, these great guys um, um, and they kind of brought me up and they were they were running the place. And they had also brought out Anticon as well. Right. And I think Keith Fullerton Whitman as well. Mm-hmm. And they went to... Um, uh, they... For some reason, uh, Seb, one of the guys, the guys who brought me up said, oh, you should give them your CD. And I was a little bit embarrassed and whatever else. And I gave them my CD and they were really nice about it. And Adam One had said, I'm going to take this back as he was doing A&R for Mush. He said, I'm going to take this back and give this to Robert who owned Mush. And uh, Robert contacted me and it kind of, that connect kind of happened through that. So that was 2001. And then the first Mush record came out in 2003. Mm -hmm. And then One Way It's Everywhere 2005. And And that was still with Mush or no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. they were all with Mush. So, this is this last record, uh, the last full length is the first record that I've just kind of just uploaded and done myself. So, before that, I think the last Mush record was probably like 2009.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And the little EPs in between, is that also th- the ones before 09 is Mush, or, or you uh, released some stuff on your own?
2: One of them, one of the EPs was kind of like a tour EP thing, which right. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think that was really kind of officially ever put out by Mush. Mm. And um, I think that's possibly the only EP that I kind of had in that era. And then I put out a, I put out the... I kind of worked on this new album for a while, this one that I ended up putting out myself. And then I ended up releasing it. And then I kind of... I was a little bit disillusioned possibly by the whole process. Uh, What was
1: disillusioning about it? uh, It it was just
2: like the silence was deafening, you know, it was just kind of, it was a little bit like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to get it out to people that I thought might be interested in, you know, the stuff that everybody faces really. Sure. And, um, and I, so I was kind of like, what do I want to do here? And I just thought to myself, I think I just want to, for a while anyway, I just want to Make, make a bunch of music and just released singles and little things. And so the first thing of that was The Harmless Hex. And then right. there was another uh, mm. single earlier this year. And I've just finished one as well. Right. You
1: did a remix, right? Is that right?
2: Uh, I did a remix, possibly, for mm. who? Uh, oh, yeah, I did one for Fortressless, a Band from yes. That's um, right. Germany, I think. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. So yeah. there were like little bits and pieces that mm. I've sort of done mm. uh, in the meantime.
1: Yeah. So... Mm. So, but you were saying on live shows. Yeah, how oh, do yes, you do live shows? No, 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 yeah. no. Because I, I am genuinely curious because mm. it's, because I, so I recently did a short tour. I was in Japan for, for yep. a week and I did a little festival out there. And when you're on your own, it's very different. Like, yeah. Um, and uh, like, I didn't have a DJ or anything. So it was just me and the laptop. Yeah. Is it the same for you or do you have live stuff?
2: Do you have? Uh, that was something we struggle with a lot. So, uh, so. So when I first got signed to Mush, first record came out, Robert called me and he said, Are you, I've got a tour for you. I want you to come over and do this tour. And it was with themselves, which is one of Dose One's acts. Right. So we're going to support them. And, um, and so uh, he said, but you need to have a really good live show. Mm. So he said, you know, get some people involved, get your friends and come over. And I, I had some friends who really didn't really know how to play instruments right. that well, but I was like, I want to take my friends. Right. So we yeah. all learned together and there was, there was three of us. We all learnt together and then uh, we kind of went over and did the tour, and it was pretty loose. It was like we didn't feel that great about how it worked. I think we were kind of trying to figure out how we wanted to actually do it. And I think the time, the, I think the the tour in which we got the balance right between the electronics and the live aspect was pro- probably around 2000, 2006 when we went over for One Way It's Every Way. Mm. And I think that was good because we weren't trying to be something that we were not, which is essentially an electronic band. I mean, it's music that's made electronically, even when it doesn't sound like it's being right. made electronically. It's very much, you know, a, tra- a track which is just singing in piano is just as electronic as something which has a whole bunch of drum machines, you right. know, For me, and the way I make it anyway. So, um, so I think that was probably the best balance of that, where we kind of acknowledged that and we had elements of electronics which were, uh, sending out signals to other musicians who were playing along with it. And I was triggering certain things and singing and playing other instruments over the top mm-hmm. of it. Right. We then tried after that to kind of make it all live with no pre-sequence. That's elements.
1: really hard with your music, I would think. Yeah, and I don't, that... we didn't succeed, I anything. Okay. think. There were probably
2: moments right at the end of the band where it started to come together, but mm. it was really hard. And I think possibly that album uh, that we were doing it with, which was Lily Perdita, which was the last Mush record, it was very it's kind of the whole record is kind of all over the place Mm. and i think it's hard to get a through line on that record anyway and i think a lot of people found it difficult to engage with on that level so i think the fact the fact is if we were not playing it absolutely like watertight then i don't know if it really had if it really worked live so there were all these things that we were sort of trying to learn at that time but um yeah so when i say we it was kind of a live band of us touring Mm. and stuff yeah
1: so did you did you where'd you tour you was it did you tour through the states then i'm guessing through marsh
2: yeah so we toured we toured through the states with marsh um toured japan or played some shows in japan um and we the record was licensed to uh, a uk label called leaf or a couple Mm. of the records were um um and but we never got an opportunity to go over to europe unfortunately so i've actually never never been to europe really really. yeah
1: uh I honestly, I hadn't gone until a few years ago. Yeah. I didn't even go to continental Europe until like two years ago. Yeah. It's one of those things. Like, if it's yeah. not like you don't want to go. It's like, eh, I need a reason Yeah, to go that's anymore. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's actually kind of ru- yeah.
2: like touring has kind of ruined me because I, I kind of like, like my girlfriend will say, you know, let's go away. And I'll be like, well, why?
0: You know, it's kind of, right. well, for a holiday. It's like, oh, okay. You know, it's kind of, I feel
2: like I need to be doing something. I was like, right. there has to be this other motivation. So I've had to kind of learn to adjust this idea that it's okay to just go away and do you actually feel the do
1: compulsive nothing? need though like this is the, the to 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 compose or to, to be to do oh, something oh yeah, yeah. Like I, to I, constantly it's a, it's a constant struggle
2: for me to work out I, I i constantly i was actually just reading an article in the in the guardian right before you turned up about productivity this mm. idea of productivity and efficiency being kind of quite destructive and i'm kind of someone who because i'm doing this day job here at the studio I had to make a decision that where I was like, I don't feel like I'm being productive enough in my own work and my own ideas and whatever else. So I've tried to figure out some way to, to find the time. And I had this one really fateful conversation with a friend of mine, who's a composer. And I I know he was probably exaggerating and probably it was like a throwaway thing, but I remember I was eating with him and he came in I was talking uh, uh, and I, and he came, i was eating at this restaurant he came in we sat down we talked for a while and i said oh what are you doing today and he said he was doing some stuff and and he said oh, i'm just gonna do a bit of music and i and i asked him oh do you do music every day and he goes yeah and i was like oh how much do you do and he goes "Oh, i try to do a couple of hours a day and i don't even think that was necessarily true mm. but ever since that completely changed my life where i was like i have to do a couple of hours, two hours, hours of right. my own music every day and i don't know I'm, the jury's still out for me of whether or not it's going to kill me. Like I, I do feel a little bit like I put like uh, so much of my time is spent feeling like I'm not doing enough. Sure. So it's, it's something I struggle with a
1: lot. Well, but you're, you're quite prolific. Like if I look like, if you look back at what you've done, like, uh, okay. At least on SoundCloud, if you look at the history of work you've done, like yeah. you put something out, if not every year, at least every other year, and something's something. yeah. come out. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the question though is, do you feel like an extra need to do your own stuff because you have a full-time job
2: yeah I do I do feel like it's it's a tricky one i talked about this with it's really interesting I talked about this with Tommy who's another composer here who struggles with the same kind of thing and we had this idea of um I, I think from being a kid from being a kid ever since I was young I just have even just with art in general I've always defined ideas of self-worth in terms of whether or not you're going to live a life which is worth something in terms of output. And I don't necessarily... I don't think that's healthy, but that's kind of how I feel. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this idea of looking back and going, oh, look at these things that I managed to make right. in my life. Like, and that's kind of like the... That's the standard. And I... It's bad, but that's kind of... It's like a it's like a leftover idea from from when I was a kid, you know. So, so when I feel like I'm not doing that stuff, it's very hard for me to... I start to lose a sense of you know am I am I, what am I doing am I worth anything you know there it's
1: it's very it's very it's very murky and it, and it also becomes an identity thing like but this is who I am yeah yeah absolutely I should be doing this like wait, but am I doing this because I want to do it or am I doing it because I think that's, I want to that do it? that is really because right? that is really
2: interesting that's the thing like yeah. you there isn't that line I remember someone saying to me. Um, they said, oh, you know, is it still fun? And I was like, fun? What do you mean? Like, it's never been fun. Like, Fuck fun. Yeah, like, like, I, I need to put
1: work out. Yeah, yeah. like, that's like, that's who I am. Like, I need to create yeah. shit. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's really yeah. weird.
2: It's like, I don't I don't think it's... I, I don't have fun, but, but it's, it's, it's excruciating, but incredible. And, you know, the, the highs of making stuff are just exhilarating. Totally. But the lows yeah. are just awful, you know. And it's never, like, light and breezy. And I really envy people who seem like they're having a really light and breezy, good time making whatever they're making. Like I always just, I just wish so hard that I could do that, but it's just not the kind of person that I am. (laughs)
1: But I think that that's the dirty secret is that we're never really totally satisfied, mm. and I think, especially being independent artists, like artists that need to f- need to supplement their income, yeah, one way or another. Like you're quite fortunate in the sense that you still get to work in an environment that is related, to yeah. What and you do, and it feeds, do, back, into and your it feeds work. back into your energy. Yeah. You still have connections, and you get access to all this stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. But you get other people that just don't. They're, yeah, they're a waiter during the day, and then they gotta try to you know lounge sing at night because that's what yeah, they really absolutely. Like, um. So, uh, uh, but I forget the point that I was trying to make with that though. Um.
2: Oh no, no! But the finding the time and and kind yeah, of like, yeah, so the
1: yeah, time and stuff. But I, I, yeah, um, I, I do think like, um, uh, the 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 reward. Uh, oh yeah, the dirty secret. That's about what I was having, trying to yeah, say. Having yeah, having yeah, fun. <laughs> the dirty secret about having fun is, is, is just is never enough. Like, yeah, I, I think oh, yeah, I think we always want to try to create more. Yeah. and have, have more stuff out there. And
2: I think that's the only way. For me like one of the few ways that I can actually finish something is to go this is this is good enough I'm gonna nail it on the next thing and then everything is like that you know totally because uh, if I feel yeah. like that this is the big thing like right. you've got to feel I think when you're making it you've got to feel like this is gonna be the absolute best thing I've ever done and then there is a point where you go this is close enough and it's not good enough I'm gonna finish it here and I'm gonna keep moving like I think it's that constant kind of process of chasing that. That that perfection, right. which you know you can never achieve, but it's just that no. feeling of, of yeah. chasing it that you kind of keeps keeps you moving and also drives you crazy.
1: Do you engineer your own stuff as well? Or yeah, yeah. Does that make it even? Uh, that's got to be even more in, like so from conception all the way to. Production to completion, yep. to distribution. That's entirely it
2: is now. So okay. the distrib- yeah. So the,
1: I mean, with Mush, it might have not been. I'm guessing they had some. You had some resources. Well, no, not really. Oh, well, we can get into that too. If you yeah, know. no, not really. It was yeah.
2: just that I would, I would supply the record, and uh, he would get somebody to master it and put it out. So that that was it, that's how I'd always worked, and now it was now it's like um, now it, I'm sort of. Do you master your
1: own stuff then as well?
2: Well, I try. There's, I have a, I, I try to offload that responsibility to someone else, which is often my friend Cornell, who you met, who's right, very, right. very nice and kind of does it. Uh, and I also really trust him as well. So he's done... He did the single, he did Harmless Hex, and he did okay. the record as well. And he actually helped mix that record, the last set record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I like to offload it because I do feel like there's a point where I want to let go and there's a point where I want someone to make the final decision because... Mm-hmm. It's much of a muchness. Like you, I'm sure you have the same thing. Like you look at something and you go, you know what, that that base could be two decibels louder, or it could be two decibels quieter. It actually, I don't know anymore. Right. It's completely. It's right. it's kind of in the ballpark. Like the mix is in the ballpark, and it's in that sweet spot. That kind of it's like it's completely neither here nor there anymore. Right. So you just kind of go, you know what, there it is. It's in that yeah. kind of you know nebulous space right. of being right. And then I just go, okay, well, that's it. I don't want someone to say to me, I don't want to have to make that final decision of like, is this enough highs? I sort of want someone else to come in and right. go, let me just tweak that and then it's done. And I'll kind of, Cornell, I'll always trust what he decides to do with it with a master. I don't think I've ever asked him to, to alter any any master he's ever done for me.
1: <laughs> that's, I mean, that's such a huge, that, that's one of my big struggles is, is for the music is just finding someone that I just, that I trust, that, trust that, yeah. that I'm willing to just say, you know what? I, like, even if I pay for it, like I'm, I'm fine with it. But yeah. just, Here, you go try it. You go do it. Yeah. Um. So I'm, because uh, I'm I'm in the process of recording my next EP. So, so that'll be. So I, I, it's I'll tough. have to get, Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, definitely. It's. I, I it's think as well. Like I think that if you're working, if you're
2: working on your own stuff yourself and you're doing everything yourself, I personally feel like I need the moment where I give control up in some way i feel like the idea of the idea of being solely responsible for every single decision that gets made on something is can wear can wear on
1: you yeah it's just way too much i mean it just it bears down and it's but it's also that's also the moment where you can say you know what someone else now has access to the one thing that i've been working on yeah on my own the world this is it's sort of like the It's sort of like the turning of the doorknob. The door just opens a little bit. That's what happens when you give it to someone else to just start working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That door opens and then it goes in public and all that stuff. Yeah, Yeah.
2: that's the thing. I think that there is... I mean, I've been thinking about that quite a lot in the last couple of years because I've never had an opportunity to kind of be part of a band or Mm -hmm. collaborate with people in that kind of band environment, which a lot of people here have. And I remember thinking at one point... It was just the idea of playing live or playing solo, as you were talking about mm. before, like if you do a bad show and you've played solo and you come off, it's all on you and you yep. can feel quite shit. And a yeah. lot of what being in a band is and writing songs together and playing together is coming off and going, no, 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 it doesn't matter. This is what we decided to do. Right. And telling your as a group, making those decisions and supporting like that, communal decision that was made but when it's all on you 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 can really that's i don't like to play stuff to people before i it's almost finished gotcha. because i don't want someone to say those drums are a bit weird because i'll i'll go oh maybe they are weird and right. i'll lose that feeling of certainty about mm. something mm. so i I'll, I'll give it like right at the tail end where it's like no no more kind of there'll be very minor decisions that are it's, like, it's like it's like
1: 80 percent yeah yeah even more sometimes yeah oh like,
2: yeah. yeah 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 like pretty much like maybe the vocals can be slightly louder like that's that's about it like
0: okay. there's nothing really yeah, yeah okay i got you yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe your music because because someone asked me today like I, this morning i you know i told i because I, then he knew i was coming here and yeah. i said yeah i'm going to interview this guy you know it's a musician an artist and and he's like oh cool what's his music and i was like well i think it's electronic electronica electronic folk but there are other elements to it too. Um, you should just listen. Yeah, yeah. I think is what I ended up saying too, <laughs> yeah. which is which is which is great. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to well, share the music. That's very nice. But yeah, no, no. But how would you describe it?
2: I don't. I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I, I I think that it's it's sort of. If there's one thing I feel like I have a tendency to do in my own music, I think I I find it hard to. I find it without concentrating on writing something of a particular style or sound, I feel like if I go in without thinking to writing a particular track, I feel like I'm writing the same song over and over again. I think that feel, there is that feeling of... Uh, like, I'll be writing something, Cornell will come in and go, that sounds like your your music. And I mm. think that that's not intentional that I'm trying to find some kind of cohesive thing. I think that, I, that there is something that... It always ends up. I always end up using kind of probably some of the same types of sounds or something in some right. way. Um, and I, I, but I, I think some of it is just that I get excited. Like I hear something and I get excited about a particular sound or a particular idea, and then I try to integrate it in, in what I do. And then, but it does kind of end up possibly just sounding not too dissimilar to what I've done before. But I guess it's kind of. I don't know, but like, there's
1: nothing wrong with that though. If you have a no. distinct style, and I think, but I, oh, so so I do think you have kind of a distinct style, but your music has changed, yeah, significantly over the years. Like the style, um, yeah, even the style has changed. Yeah. But there are some yeah. tracks that you're, you're clear you're going to be like, ah, that's him, yeah, like, and part of it's vocal quality or the lyrics, the, yeah. the, 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 the subject of your lyrics yeah. um, or the way you play with words or how you'll change up the music halfway like halfway through the song it'll sound like a different song yeah right like i've noticed that happens quite a bit Um, so certain things like that yeah but you know like i do think there's enough variety in your music which is which actually brings me back to the question of (laughs) how would you actually how would i describe it yeah i mean if we had to apply labels yeah those that need labels to try to go uh to, to navigate or to sink their teeth into your music uh I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Like at the time,
2: around about two thousand and five, when you probably first heard it, it was yeah. being discussed in terms of like other artists, like, l- like Fortet and uh, Caribou or Manitoba at right. the time, and that kind of yeah. folktronica kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Um, folktronica.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. But I don't yeah. really know if I was ever th- like at the two- in two thousand and eight. I was probably really, really obsessed with. There was a period where I got really obsessed with folk music. Mm. And the thing is, I that think... That comes through. Yeah. That, ab-
1: that definitely comes through early on. But like uh, like um, a harmless hex doesn't sound quite as much. No, which is kind all. of very
2: yeah. much like I wanted it to sound very kind of synthetic and neon yeah. and whatever else. Yeah. you know. And I think that um, it just kind of depends on, on kind of what I'm sort of a little bit of obsessed with at that time. And I, I think that a lot of it is is being as being interested in things that I don't think I am technically capable of making. So for example, with folk music, I really, I really love folk music and I want to make folk music and I would try to make folk music and I couldn't because I don't have the chops. I can't play an instrument. I don't think I'm good enough as a vocalist and all that kind of stuff. So for me, a lot of the time my music has always been this process of compromising of trying to pull that back to something that I feel like I'm capable of. Um, it's like weaving in things you're passionate
1: about with y- your actual skill set. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Kind of reaching for the stars and then kind of like faltering slightly, but hopefully keeping it. I remember a friend of mine once said that he he, he kind of works by imagining he's going to write a song like, uh, like some artist that he loves right. and then um, completely failing and that's his style, you know. Right. And I don't think it's the same. I don't feel the same about it, but I understand that kind right. of approach, you know, of... I've always kind of, I think I've always um, idealized music that I probably can't make myself. And it's this pr- process of using what I had, uh, what, I, what I'd learned as a kid of how, how to make music with machines okay. and kind of trying to take what I feel like I'm hopefully good at with that kind of machine making kind of music yeah. with like other styles that I just love and and kind of would love to, you know.
1: Did you have like a little Casio keyboard when you were a kid or like what no, did, what did no, you do? No,
2: I, 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 made, I made songs um, with my – I just sing songs onto cassette and I would do the instruments and I would do all the artwork and stuff. Um, and then my mom said that I could learn the learn the guitar or the piano and I got really bored of it and I didn't do it. And I really – it's one of, my huge, one of my biggest regrets. And then what ended up happening was I got into – uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I got into I got into role playing when I was like in early pro, uh, early high
1: school. So when you say role playing, like role um, playing games, like role playing games, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like um, dungeon D and D and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And there was one. Not where, that embarrassing. We got well, no, we got no. nerds that listen to <laughs> this podcast. Nothing wrong with it. I think nerd nerdism has become in vogue now. Oh yeah, well we have a board
2: game group that meets yeah. tabletop gaming group that meets every week. Yeah, so like, like I'm I'm totally down with it. Yeah, it, but but that was kind of the way that I got into um. I got into, uh, like, I remember there was this one page in this supplement to this game which had all these kind of recommendations of music. Um, and I would, like, I went and, like, listened to all this stuff. And that was probably, like, my musical awakening where I was kind of listening to these bands like Joy Division and Swans
1: and that Oh, kind of Joy stuff. Division, yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: then... Um, and then from there I got into all the warp record stuff, which I guess a lot of people my mm. age kind of that was how they were introduced to electronics was Aphex Twin and Orteca and mm. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of a big change for me. Like when I heard that stuff, I was just like, oh my God, I wanna I wanna make stuff like this. And it felt like stuff that was so alien, but also stuff that I could do that didn't yeah. rely on uh, having chops, like expertise. Mm. You know, it yeah. sounded like it sounded like you could go, you could kind of sit down and learn how to do it. And you didn't have you didn't have to be to- out of jam or be able to right. kind of do that stuff, mm-hmm. you know yeah. so I was, I was kind of obsessed with this stuff, how do you make it sound like that?" And it was like all the old things that I would do sounded so crappy. But there was this point where I'd do it around at my friend's house, mm-hmm. and there was this point where my dad was like, "Well, if you want to do this, you can sell this you can sell this car that your grandma bought you for your 16th birthday party, uh, birthday, which was just this kind of crappy car, and you, oh, you can buy a computer. And so I bought this computer. And so you it- sold your car. How yep. old were you at this time? 16.
1: So you were 16. So your grandmother bought you the car for your sixteen. Yep. And, and I, I like,
2: immediately sold it. I think I did like two drives and I still can't drive.
1: You, you're shitting me. You can't drive? No.
2: So then because <laughs> I sold the car to buy the computer. And then thing is, right. I always, I always, I've, I've brought this up and I, I always remember to, to thank him about it, my dad. Right. But I always remember, mm. I always am great. I'm always grateful that he allowed me to do that because right. I couldn't play an instrument. He had no idea whether or not I had anything. And he was like, he went out and he did a little bit of research and bought me a sound card and inserted it to the back of his computer. And, and I would just kind of taught myself wow. that way. And then... Um,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, that's how I kind yeah. of did it. We
2: just kept kind of kept going. And then and then there was this point where I had a little record out, like uh, kind of like a I put out some, a couple of CDRs. Hmm. And then there was this small Adelaide label that heard him They put that out and that's the thing that Dose One heard and then okay. took back. And that was how it all started. Uh,
0: hmm.
1: So you were really young at that point.
2: Uh, I would have been uh, in two thousand and one. Uh, some of that stuff on that on that first thing that he would have heard, I probably
1: did when I was nineteen. Okay. Mm. So how, at that age? Yeah. So you were still in secondary school or high school. Or college or whatever. I was. I was. I would to, have been at
2: uni uh, when I first started. Yeah. So sixteen. Uh, to 18, I was in high school, right? Yeah.
1: And then you went to uni. Yeah. Right. And I just
2: kept kind of doing. And it. And you just
1: yeah. kept on doing it, and yeah. then nineteen, you got picked up. And then, did you take time off of school to go tour and stuff, or did yeah. all that happen a bit later?
0: There
2: was this point in around about two thousand five, two thousand six, where I was doing my PhD, where that was the point where I was like, I have to make a decision. Mm actually this is what i want to do this is what i want to do and i made a decision and i kind of turned my back on study and acad- academia and then i went and did this music stuff so i mean when cornell asked me to come over and be a producer here it was completely based on like self-taught stuff that i'd done on my dell laptop you know so well, it was kind of
1: yeah yeah because i was going to say that because you you like your educational journey has nothing to do with, with music or no, no it's just thing. purely just your passion you drove that yeah on your own really so on your dell laptop yeah oh, okay let's get technical then so what what gear did you have and what did you start well stuff <clears on? throat> i
2: was about to say actually saying dell laptop kind of r- r- reminded me actually in 2006 when i still had my dell laptop and i'd play we would play live where i had my dell laptop on stage and um
1: oh, sorry no no worries you can answer it's fine, oh, it's fine. you sure brother we're going away tomorrow oh you want you can answer it real quick if you need to oh no that's totally fine sure all right yeah cool um so
2: i had my double laptop we would uh and we did this japanese show and the japanese show because I had the Dell laptop, very visible on stage. The Japanese show was at the uh, at, at an Apple store in Tokyo.
1: Oh, I, really? I
2: always, I always. <laughs> if I look back on that now, that's like one of. I, I, for some reason, I'm like, yes, that's one of my coolest moments is is having a like a crappy Dell Inspiron in an Apple store in in Tokyo. Yeah.
1: How that work? so the. Uh, Explain how you how you got that gig then. So Apple wanted you to open for them or something. Uh, or?
2: No, it was just I think uh, I had a Japanese label as well that licensed right. the record, and okay. they I think it was just they had like live bands Which come in was and it? play. Which uh, it? was called And Records. Okay, so they put out um, they put out like
1: uh, are they the last couple? In, are yeah. they in Shinjuku? Um, I don't know I'm where they to think. are. I'm trying now. to think. I feel like I've, I've I saw that name. Yeah, they do. They're Somewhere still they're still really active their- and
2: stuff. Um, I haven't spoken I to them for them quite a while. Okay. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So I I was it was always a little laptop. I didn't have any hardware or anything up until, actually, pretty much like all the only thing I had is I had a Jupiter four synth, like a Roland Jupiter four. And yeah. what I would do is so the first that first album. Uh, come here with you when you sleepwalk right. all that a lot of that was me sitting with the Jupiter 4 and um and like messing around with it and recording like little bits and pieces and then cutting off those bits and pieces and making the songs that way so it, that was the only piece of hardware i had
1: what software did you use
2: i used cubase
1: <clears throat> yeah a lot of that sort of late 90s early 2000s mid 2000s it's all cubase so uh, yeah. so many windows like just it almost felt it was, uh, you know, it's almost like it coincided with them um, with a dip in Apple's. Um, like a lot of people, just either it was inaccessible, or let me put it this way: Windows-based products were far more accessible. Yeah, they totally. And were. so, any software yeah. that was for that particular platform. Was just much easier. and yeah, that was how you started, right? It was just because it was yeah. easier and cheaper, right?
2: It was easier, and I mean, I can say this now, and I'm sure a lot of people can be honest about it. Right. It was all cracks off, not not Cubase. Cubase right. I owned. Right. but There are a lot of crack plugins and stuff mm. that I was using because that was the
1: kind of when sure. a lot of that stuff was accessible. Oh God, I remember like you, you, Keygen. Gen was, was it Keygen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Keygen. You just it generated. It would generate, a, it would generate <clears throat> the serial for you. Yeah, to, to the, yeah, totally. Was, it was it was crazy. Like I remember at yeah. the
2: time of just uh, it's it uh, you know, I. I remember being so excited about, oh my God, I cannot believe there's this thing that I can use. There's this reverb and I'd hear this sound. I'd be like, mm. I can't believe mm. that I could use, I, I'm I, I'm allowed to use this. I've got, I've got hold of this and it was incredibly exciting. It was like stumbling across free gear on the side of the, the side of the road, you know, or something. Else. It I, is,
1: it is, it is, equivalent to that I mean that's like, yeah. oh my gosh I now is, have access to yeah yeah, yeah I it's know so, yeah. It's like, like the excitement and there was, there. was absolutely
2: yeah. no way at that time I mean I was living at home with my parents and whatever else and I, there's no way I would have been able to afford some of the stuff that I was using but right. there was a point where I was like okay well I actually am making money now and I'm gonna buy all mm-hmm. my buy all my stuff and from that point I it's been a long time okay. uh, since I've yeah I, I swear it's been a long time now, but, <laughs> no
1: yeah. no I, I, be- I believe you it's just there, there, there's definitely been a push in the last decade to get legal software mm. and i think everyone's well i say everyone a lot of people have been pretty good about that especially musicians and artists yeah i think in the past 10 years yeah i think i, I think so anyway at least the folks that i know
2: yeah it's, it's an interesting <laughs> one because it is it is like i i think it's become a quite a bit more accessible now it's completely reasonable now to buy stuff right. because stuff is a lot cheaper now like if you were gonna look yeah. at the waves plugins when i was growing up they were unbelievably expensive yeah. and just like you know i just there was absolutely no way that i, that way I would right. ever be able to get my hands right. on those but and now I'm you sorry. get incredible compressors for like compressor plugins for like no money you know and a lot of a lot of the best compressor plugins are like 69 dollars or whatever you know mm. so yeah it's awesome
1: yeah and also though they they can they can track you now. They've also gotten better at uh, preventing that from happening, right? I think they can track you. They, the serial numbers are much tighter now. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just... And updates. They get you on the updates. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I think
2: there was just this point where it's the same thing with torrents and and Netflix. You know, it's this mm. idea of now where it just becomes too much of a pain in the ass mm. to do the wrong thing. Yeah. It's like... When, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, yeah, and yeah. that's how you... That was always the idea with something like Netflix, I think, was... If you make it as easy, as easy to access film or with Spotify or with music, if you make it as easy to access as it is to pirate, then people mostly will choose to pay for it because people want to pay for it. Right. And a lot of the time it was like, you know, that famous one about, you know, because I think like something like Game of Thrones, like it's like, well, people couldn't, in Australia people couldn't get their hands on Game of Thrones so they would then torrent it and it became right. like the most torrented show in Australia. Right. You know? But it was... It's it's. I think that that's really interesting because I think that in some ways that that element of of piracy has kind of uh, has kind of initiated uh, innovation in certain ways, you know. Right. And it's interesting now because a lot of the skills that I think that I learnt at that time were, were having access to those things that I never would have been able to have access to, and then I, it, it trained me to then move on to, to kind of do this other stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it was crazy. It was crazy. It's weird to talk about, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Things now, mm. you know, moving forward now with your music, with your career, what, do you have? Um, do you sort of have a set sort of goal or anything? Or because I find it hard to have a set goal with 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 art projects. Necessarily. Yeah, like the goal is really like I want to put something out during this time frame, perhaps. Yeah, or whatever. But the the, the goal of being let me break this down. So the goal of being uh, known or being famous has, I think, a lot of young people have at some point. Yeah. And that sort of changes as we get older. Yeah, it does. Did yeah. you did you feel that?
2: Yeah. I think yeah. I, felt, I felt like there was this period where that was something that I really wanted. And it wasn't, I don't think, I mean, of course, because I was young, there probably was an element of like how great it would be to be well-known and everybody to love what I'm doing. Right. But there was also an element that I've just, I think it was kind of that I, that... Just the idea of pe- other, like a, 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 a no, like a significant group of people being excited about what you're doing is right. is intoxicating. Thought, you know, sure, absolutely. And when you're a kid, that that idea definitely kind of so being overseas and playing shows to people who were really into it, it's it was really exciting. Right. And I think that um, there was a point where I realized that it wasn't going to happen, and that a lot of it is kind of working out what you're going to do then and what's important to you and what you think, you know, is is going is, gonna, is is going to make you happy and what are the reasons you're doing it, you know, what are those reasons and is that enough and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so I think right now probably what I'm thinking of doing is, I don't know, I, I think I used to have this idea of when I was working that I wanted to always push myself and always kind of, like I had this idea that everything always had to be one up on the thing that I'd done before. I think that's a fairly kind of young mm-hmm. idea of what it means to yeah. to make stuff right. you know, you've made a record and it's like the next record's got to be x amount better and then the next record's going to be x amount better and so it's this kind of process of kind of working against yourself and working in. Opposition to yourself, really,
1: well, and we don't always know what better means. No, totally, That's like, the like, thing. Like, 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 What does better mean? Does better mean more, more? people have downloaded it. More people purchased it. More people want to go see it. Yeah. Does it mean that it sounds the way that I think I want it to sound? Yeah, absolutely. And we don't always know what how we want it to sound no. either. Do you have those struggles too? And so, how would, yeah. how do you define the next step? For me, then?
2: it was always like it was. I think it was. I had this very, uh, very kind of vague idea of it being like always creatively more interesting or always creatively. like a a greater achievement in myself than the last thing that I'd done you know like the last thing the last thing wasn't exactly as I wanted it to be but this next time I'm going to nail it it's going to be just right and the next time no 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 that one wasn't the next one's going to be just right and that kind of constant process of getting you know better and better and the problem with that is I I feel like you end up having this massive mountain that you're just looking at and going and now I have to scale that in my own mind you know and you're just adding to that kind of sense of expectation on yourself it's 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 crippling it can be really crippling so i think uh i think someone someone i was speaking to actually said that their friend who's a musician had had some success and someone said oh you look really great and you look really happy and he said I I I f- I figured I figured out how to be happy is <clears throat> to have no ambition. And he was kind of being facetious, but I do understand that idea of ambition being crippling and being like, you know, well, why am I doing this and you know what 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 is important to me and um because then you start to kind of always have this idea of this thing that you have to achieve and it becomes a very goal oriented, you know. Right. So I don't think that having a goal of like I really want to make an EP or I really want to finish this. I think that that's totally a fair goal to have mm. and probably a quite a healthy goal to have rather than and if I do that then I move into this and I move onto this because as soon as you set up those expectations obviously you are allowing yourself to never fulfill them, you know. So I think I think I'd really str- I do really struggle with that. I do really struggle to figure out um you know what it is I want and what's going to make me happy. The thing that I do I, it is important to me. Is I really, really always think very, very hard about what I'm working on, and even though people aren't listening to those lyrics or reading those lyrics or whatever it might be, some of us do. Yeah, thank you. Some of us do. <laughs> um, I, I want, I want every word to be just how I want it, and I want to, and I want to have those meanings in there. And it doesn't matter if no one ever connects with them. I just like it is really important to me to know exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm. And even if I don't succeed at it, I just, if I sit down, there is always this idea of I I know why I'm sitting down to to make what I make, you know, that that, that's something that's important to me.
1: In your heart of hearts, are there like, there are a few things that I really would like to do, like, I want to go back on tour in a few years, or I want to have, uh, generate income from it or maybe it's not about income anymore or just I want to feel totally at ease when I create music at my own pay. like what I are think, milestones I guess
2: I think my ideal has been since I was a kid and always will be just to make records I just want to make records and if I could just
1: that's so could... pure that's So pu- no and I mean that in the best way I genuinely the best way is I just want to create yep. music that I want to create yeah it's it totally is and so like if pure. there
2: was a way that I could do this that I could survive and just make records and maybe play shows where... Because, I mean, the, the thing is, like, playing shows or getting some feedback from people, it's not just a matter of... It's not a, it's not a matter of being famous. It's actually a, a positive reinforcement about your own ideas, you right. know. So it is like, wow, I'm inspired by... The thing is, like, when, I, when we went over to do our tour in 2006, the response that we got to that tour made me so excited about coming home and doing another record. I was like, right. I was on that tour going, I cannot wait to... To do, something, uh, to do something else that maybe these people can then listen to and engage with. You know, there's that feeling of your, your being able to speak to someone. You know, there is that yeah. feeling and I think it can be hard to if you don't feel like anyone's listening to maintain a certain level of momentum. You know, because yeah. I'm sure there are people who don't care that no one listens to what they do and they just do it for themselves and all that kind of right. stuff but I've always felt like it was a conversation. I've always felt like I want people to engage with and I want people to bring their own thing to it and you know enjoy it on some level you know that it, is important to me
1: totally and it, it's also it also helps you understand like is your music connecting with people yeah and you're, and if you don't you're kind of like well why are people not connecting yeah. am I not connecting with myself enough am I not being aware of what's going on around me or is it just for Am someone just...
2: or is it just for someone very specific i mean that's the other thing as well right you know so it's like maybe th- these people haven't maybe it's for maybe it's for these three people over here maybe that's that's all it's for you know they're, they're the only people it's for but that's the thing like right. you I, I and i think that speak going back to your point before about culture and where music's... or art and fitting in culture and stuff i that's why i find electronic music really interesting in general like if you if you're talking about house music or like dance electronica i i find that concept of i find that concept of people writing music for a social context really interesting like it's not something that i've necessarily done but i really like the purity of that where it's like no this this works in this way this the 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 kick comes in at this point because that it connects with people and right. it's, you know, even if it is, yeah. even if it is something that they've learned, it connects with people and it makes them feel good. And it's totally fine for that music to function in that way. It's totally valid. And, and I find that really interesting, this idea of, this idea of it fulfilling a social function in a way, you know, and that sounds like maybe I'm dissing it, but no, it is fulfilling a social function. No,
1: I totally get, well, it, I, um, so one of the interviews I did was with a DJ. Yeah. He's like, he's, uh, he's originally from Kenya yeah. and he learned how to DJ in China and yep. you sort of DJ throughout, you know, in, uh, Hong Kong and China and, and Macau and stuff. I think, uh, or not Macau. Anyway, um, but he was saying like um how when you are, and he's also an MC. He also raps and yep. he also produces music as well. And he was one of the things he was saying was um when you when you think of when you play a gig, and it's also because you're not playing your own music, right? Mm. When you're DJing, you really have to consider where you want the party to go yeah how you want it to be and based on that and you also need to know who's there yeah absolutely so that, and so because he's an African so he's African and he needs to consider if it's an African group yeah if, if you play playing an African club okay which countries are may or may not be here what kind of music like, yeah how do I connect that uh, drums kicks all that kind of stuff like you just have to really consider that and it's just for me it's just like I totally get it and I guess also being from it, you know when doing live, doing live music, you do consider that as well as an artist. But you're right in the sense that I, I never re- actually thought about it that way. Music being created for a social function is very different. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah. it's like it's not it's not less ne- less artistic or anything. It's actually all.
2: Just- in some ways because I, I DJ as well. And I have I, for for quite a long time. That's, that's kind of one of my main uh, income, uh, one of my main sources of income when I was living in Adelaide. Um and in some ways, I think that DJing is almost a pure it's like a very pure level of performance because what you can actually do with DJing is you can enjoy you can, like you can enjoy the, the social aspect of of the, of the music in a way that is I find almost impossible with my own music because you can play songs when you DJ that you don't have a vested emotional interest in. And all you know is that this song is fantastic. So it's almost like you, you have the thrill of ownership over that song, right. and you know that song is like killer, or you think that song is killer, and like you, uh, and 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 that the rush of being able to, almost own that song right. in that context, and also have no doubts about the quality of that song and what that song is, is like this mad rush. Like it's incredible, you know, and that's like something that. I've personally never felt when I perform because there's so much self doubt and so much kind of idea of like, is this working? You know, is this not, but I do, I think what can be learned from DJing is this idea of, I think sometimes with making music, there possibly is this idea, some forms of music anyway, that it's kind of a little bit of a, it's kind of a little bit of a dirty thing to worry about whether or not people are enjoying it or having a good time or giving people what they want. You know, so I think it's really interesting. Again, like that idea of pop mm. and art is this? It's it's actually okay to to put something in, to put a chorus in to put that thing in, which you know has a kind of a, a very specific uh, social effect. Of you know, it goes to a chorus at that part. Repeating that chorus has a very specific effect right. that has been proven you know for however many years to have that effect it's okay to know to be aware of the manipulative effects of music in some way and to celebrate those and to use those to create something beautiful you know
0: i
1: got you yeah <clears throat> to sort of wrap it up a little bit yeah, I, do, sure. I do i do want to ask for those young for those not even young don't have to be young <laughs> at any age and for yeah. those that want young to young for the young and heart. there you go that want to create their own music that want to follow a similar path or whatever what what words would you have to give to those people
2: i think that i think that one thing that is amazing about some people some people i guess are worried about the music industry and the way that it's heading they're worried about streaming and they're worrying about income streams and all that kind of stuff and i think that that's totally those are conversations that need to happen but I also think more so than ever with music and even with other art forms as well, it's like you can, if you want, it's, it's, it sounds very motivational. But the thing is, like the way that I did it is just I just wanted to do it and it was all at my fingertips. And now, especially with the internet, it is all at your fingertips. You can download freeware that does incredible stuff. And you can listen to the things that you love, and go, "How do I do that?" And you can, and you can kind of mess around with, you can mess around with Reaper, which and 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 figure stuff out. And Reaper's an incredible program to to make music with, you know. Um, and all it is is the only thing that is going to stop you from being able to do what you want to do, and that is to make your music as you want to make it. Is time. All it takes is an investment of time. It doesn't have to take an investment of cash. It doesn't have to take any of that stuff. That's why. A lot of people, when there's that kind of leftover idea of making a record and going, well, I need 20 grand to go to a studio and that's bullshit. You don't need any of that stuff. Well, not if you're making the kind of music that I make anyway. You can do that right. at home with your laptop or with anything. Obviously, mm. there are, you know, you need a, you need some, the kind of that kind of, yeah. But it's you, you can do that for for not much and right. you can teach yourself and all that stuff that you can teach yourself. Is really valuable and even being here in the studio and learning kind of more specifics i mean i don't i don't know what frequencies are what and i don't i don't understand what you know if something's kind of got too much too many too much you know kind of of this particular frequency whatever it's all it's all a matter of feels all a matter of kind of learning that stuff so i don't think music, making music or make specifically making records is actually that intimidating anymore it's incredibly accessible mm. you can open up a program and you can get that and you can bounce out that track and you can use DistroKid or something to put that on iTunes and Spotify and whatever else and you're already away and you just keep doing that and keep doing that, you know. I think that's all it is. I think it's just, it is so easy to do that now. It just requires time and, and a little bit of conviction to be able to get there
1: and even like mastering and engineering like that's all that was always a big thing for like, people. Was like oh how i'm gonna get this sound right or whatever like you can even use there are like lander yeah yeah put it through lander like yeah. that's
2: totally fine i mean yeah. that's the thing like a lot of people are down on that kind of stuff it's like mm. no bullshit that's that stuff's mm. great it's like it's like the death of people are saying it's the death of this and whatever it's like no it's 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 another tool to right. make people to make music or music making accessible to people and it's like there as far as i know people talk about a glut of you know average music in their minds or whatever it's like music is for everyone and everyone should be able to make music and that's a thing like if you put it through lander and you get a result which is a certain thing and it's like cool you know it's loud enough to sit alongside another song you know there's like a fairly okay distribution of frequencies on that it's like there you go you're ready to go you know and i think that's the thing there's going to be a marker for that for people who just w- want to be able to do it themselves and the more The more services that come that allow for a certain level of self-sufficiency,
1: the better. Mm, Perfect. I really wish we could have gotten more time to talk about your music. Oh, um, no, it's totally fine. But but, um, do a quick plug. Where can people find you? Everything. Just... Oh sure. Late um I I guess everything's kind of happening
2: through my website. Now I haven't updated it for a little while. I've got a I've got a single that I've pretty much finished. This is almost done, but just at my website clitacalo or c l u e t o k a l o C
1: L U E T O K A L O.com.
2: Yep. And then there's kind of everything there. Yeah. Got it. Um and then um all Spotify or YouTube or whatever you might want to listen to it on. Got it's it. all it's all up there.
1: Sure yeah. I tend to use SoundCloud, but
2: Yeah, yeah well, it's all on SoundCloud yeah, as well. well. i just awesome. basically like, I've just put it on all of the services. <laughs> it's smart. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. smart.
1: Get it out there. Awesome. Well lovely to meet you, John. No man, thank you so much. Thank I you. really, really appreciate this. No, thank you very much. Cheers. Lovely to meet you. Awesome. Um that's great. you. There you go. There you have it. Clue to Kahlo, everybody. Nice guy, right? Genuinely a really nice guy. It's one of those things where you don't know someone but you know their work and you're kind of unsure about how they are as an individual. But when we met, um, really, really gracious, super kind, uh, really sharp and switched on as well. Um, Just a genuine guy overall. I I really enjoyed meeting him and uh, hopefully him and I will get to connect again in the future. Perhaps even on arts projects. Who knows, but whatever to Calo I wish you wish you I wish you the best of luck in 2017. And also to all you listeners out there, I wish all of you an excellent 2017. 2016 is over. It's done. Let's hope 2017 has better things for all of us. Now, if you like this particular episode of the podcast or this podcast in general, there are a few ways you can support guys. Please do us a favor here. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or on any other podcast listening platform that you use. Please like, please comment, and please share with your friends. All of that really, really helps us. Um, you know, you can share with people especially that find conversations interesting, especially when it involves interesting people that perhaps do unusual things as well. Um, and by all means, feel free to, you know, get in touch with me, get in touch with us, let us know what you'd like to hear about. If you have any guests you'd like us to have on, you'd like me to have conversations with anyone in particular, do me a favor, just let me know. Tweet at me, um uh, or on any of the other platforms that I have uh, I have available there. Uh just yeah, hit me up by all means, please. So, that brings us to the end and as I promised, I will now present to you one of my favorite Clutacolor songs as Tommy Fixes Fights. Take your humans, we'll see you next time.